Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We are <clears throat> thankful that you're here and we are growing apostolic legacy. And I've um, been looking through the word of the Lord and I and reading and actually uh, <clears throat> Caitlin and, and uh, Brother uh, David uh, Barrett, uh, David Guy, were um, asking me a question about a passage of Scripture, and I, I thought, you know, I don't know that I have ever preached about this. I don't know that I've ever taught from any of this, and I know all of the Word of the Lord is worthy to be talked about, preached from, and um, what could I find in this that would apply to us today? And it's about idolatry and false worship. And sort of the beginning of uh, the, the sort of big phase of idolatry and false worship that the children of Israel entered into. And I know you may say, well, we're not into idolatry or false worship. And I would say to you that, uh, you know, there are a lot of idols that are out there today. And people worship a lot of things other than the Lord today. And even as I begin to look um, at where you know, it started when you consider the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they, Moses was a long time up in the mountain and you remember what Aaron did sort of uh, almost immediately. He uh, fashioned a golden calf and they began to worship around that golden calf. And that's, I, I, I don't, when you study, uh, it's because the cow, the calf, the, uh, that beast was considered so important to um, their livelihood. And yet, um, what's amazing is um, they did not, really raise as many. They were shepherds, they did sheep. And from those of you that have studied cowboy history, shepherds and cowboys don't get along very well because the sheep eat the grass too low and, and the cowboys, uh, you know, didn't want the fences around the sheep. But um, when you study after uh, the tabernacle was built, and then later uh, Solomon built the temple. Uh, ironically, uh, one of the major uh, visual pieces of furniture as you came into the temple was a sea of brass that was, had been the laver of water. And according to the Bible, it was uh, placed on the backs of calves or cows. And so uh, <clears throat> these brazen calves. And of course, <coughs> excuse me, 
excuse me. Um, the Bible talks about the altar of sacrifice and the altar of sacrifice, what did it have on each of the four corners? Horns, probably not ram's horns, but probably something that depicted a calf's horn or a cow horn. Maybe not long horns, you know? I don't know that they had long horn sheep, uh, I mean cows, but, uh, but a, a horn, we would think, there. And of course, uh, that motif was carried into the Holy of Holies and to the holy place, and the holy of holies did not had angels, but uh, who got to see inside the holy of holies? Only the high priest. How many times? Once a year. So there were angels there, but nobody got to see that. Who got to go into the holy place? Only the children of Levi. Everybody else, when they came in <laughs> as close as they could get, was the laver of water. They could burn a sacrifice and then they could see the laver of water. Thank you, Brother George. They could see the laver of water. Uh, speaking of water, look at that. Water, water everywhere. They could see the laver of water, but they were not allowed to wash in the laver of water. <clears throat> now, when uh, Solomon built his temple, reigned 40 years, and the temple was splendid, and it was uh, amazing, and there were uh, priests and trumpets and all of those things that <coughs> were around the temple. Now, <coughs> when Rehoboam, after 40 years, when Solomon died, and Rehoboam, his son, was going to become the next king. Um, that's when the kingdom divided. For those of you that are here, know your biblical history. And there was sort of a faction that left, and that faction was the 10 northern tribes. And they decided that uh, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin would, where Jerusalem was, would uh, continue to worship at the temple. But the Bible in 1 Kings, the 12th chapter, talks about Jeroboam when he establishes or breaks this covenant uh, or breaks apart from Judah. One of the first things he did was set up some gods or fake altars, or altars, if you will. The picture uh, on your right <clears throat> is uh, a picture that uh, was taken in Israel, where we were privileged five years ago to see where they have excavated in what would be present-day Bethel, where this, this golden calf altar was established. And basically what uh, Jeroboam did was he said, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. I've got a place here to worship. In fact, I'm going to make it very convenient. I'm going to give you two places to worship. 
Bethel and Dan. Now, Bethel was a, a, a place where, um, you know, what, what, when you say Bethel, what is one of the first things you think of? What does that name mean? House of God. Where was it first established? Back when Jacob was running, laid his head on a rock, and he saw angels. So going to Bethel was like, that's still kind of a almost holy place. It's not Jerusalem, but it's pretty significant. And so the very fact that Jeroboam chose Dan and Bethel was this sense of we're going to start a new form of worship. And the Lord looked at it as idolatry and false worship. Even though these were descendants of Abraham, they were descendants of Jacob, they were all, if you were to speak, they were brothers, they were cousins, they were from, you know, uh, if you trace it back, there were 12 heirs of Jacob and 10 of these tribes are now deciding we're going to be involved in idolatry or false worship. And uh, you, you probably uh, here in the 12th chapter, uh, I'll read it to you. You've probably read it, uh, but it's an interesting story because the king took counsel. This king is Jeroboam, and he made two calves of gold and said unto them, it's just too hard to go to Jerusalem. It, it, this is more convenient. You don't need to travel all the way to Jerusalem. There's just, it's way too hard. And what brought you up out of the land of Egypt and uh, was this God, this calf. And so we're going to put one in Bethel and one in Dan. And the Bible uses this phrase, this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan, and they made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the, in the eighth month of the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast in Judah. And that feast in Judah was the Feast of Tabernacles. And he said, rather than it being on the 15th day of the seventh month, we're gonna do it a little later. And it's gonna be more convenient and it's gonna be better. And he said, we're gonna offer and, and what on this altar in front of this cow. Now, what was amazing was, and he offered upon the altar. He did not, the Bible said that he took people of the lowest basis. He, you know, he didn't care what their character was. He didn't care how they acted. He didn't care what they believed. He didn't care what they did when they were, you know, behind closed doors. He just made these guys priests. Huh? Could be a lot you could preach about right there. 
about know them that labor among you. And, you know, just because I call myself a preacher of the gospel, and yet we know that we try to tell folks it's not that you, God can't forgive and God can't redeem and restore, but, you know, that we believe that the Lord wants a certain character out of us, right? right? Especially if we're going to be one to go as an intermediary before the God. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, pitching stones at anybody that God brings out of the world and saves and cleans up, but that's the key, brings out. You understand? I mean, and that's one of the things that I, it's disheartening to me because you feel like, well, you know, you may find an evangelist on television, but if you don't know anything about them, what they're doing, where they've been, what they're, oh, hallelujah. I would tell you, be very cautious how much faith you put into that. You say, well, but, but they're saying the right things. And these were trying to say, these are the gods. And notice that he said, um, he placed in Bethel the priest of the high places which he had made out of fear of the people going back to Rehoboam. Jeroboam built these two new altars and, and with doing so, he, he immediately broke the first two commandments. Have no other gods before me. Make no graven image. And yet, you know, here it was. He appointed these, these uh, priests and he began to personally act as a priest. And the Lord uh, did not want the kings to become priests until who was going to become both king and priest? Jesus. And so he did not want kings to be priests because the one that was, had originally been king and priest was Melchizedek and etc., uh, uh, etc. Et so um, all of a sudden, 13th chapter opens up. And we don't know this guy's name, and probably some of you may remember the story, because it's a very unusual story. It's a curious story, if you will. A man of God, that's what it calls him, out of Judah, and notice the phrase, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. So the Lord spoke to some, and we find out later he was a younger man, and spoke to him in Judah and said, go up to Bethel. And when he got there, Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And notice what this young man did. And this is very important. He cried against the altar Notice the phrase, in the word of the Lord. He cried against the altar. He did not say, Jeroboam, 
You shall be cursed. You have done a horrible thing. He didn't attack Jeroboam. Sometimes when we see people that are false, we do wrong to attack the person. Well, you know you shouldn't do that. Yeah, you shouldn't. Well, wait, wait. He cried against the altar. He said, this isn't right. And he was not, he did not speak this by the word of the Lord. He spoke it in the word of the Lord. In other words, he knew that God had spoken to him. He knew what God's word said. He was not just, you know, okay, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to speak to you. The Bible uses this Hebrew phrase that he was immersed in the word of the Lord. So he cried against the altar. And here's what he said. He said, not, oh, Jeroboam, Jeroboam, but what did he say? Oh, altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. And then he speaks a word. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee, he, he, thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And then he said, the sign that the Lord has spoken, this altar shall be rent, and ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. He spoke to the altar. Now, just for your edification, that's First Kings, the 13th chapter. You have to fast forward 300 years to Second Kings, the 23rd chapter, when a king by the name of Josiah comes to that altar and he takes all of those priests and he kills them and he burns their bones on the altar and then the Bible says he stomps on the altar all the ashes and he destroys the whole altar that was made there in Bethel. So this young man speaks a word and he cries by the word of the Lord he cries the word of the Lord. He was in this word of the Lord. And he basically says, God's word says this thing is going to be destroyed. I'm going to tell you who's going to destroy it. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when he destroys it. And it ends up that that's what happens 300 years later. What are you saying? God's word will never fail. Right. That's why if it's you arguing, you have problems. That's why we say, not by my might nor by my power, but thus saith the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, you, let me tell you what the Word says. Let me tell you what the Word said. It's not about what I say. It's not about how angry I am, how frustrated I am. It's about this is what the Word says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this 
is not going to pass away and it's going to be fulfilled. If it takes 300 years, this young man cried that and we know, of course, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. You can read it in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, in Luke the 16th chapter, in Luke the 21st chapter. It says it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. I'm here to tell you and I know we are here on a Wednesday night and you believe it and I believe it and that's why you see all these verses and I put them up every Sunday and Wednesday is because I'm here to tell you what God's word says that's forever settled in heaven. You can bank on it. You can count on it. I'm telling you the earth is going to be destroyed by heat and it doesn't matter whether you stop global warming by an electric car or whatever you do it's still going to come to pass. You can say, well, shouldn't we be a good steward? Absolutely. Shouldn't we do? Yes. But I am here to tell you, this thing is going to all fold up like a curtain. You can say, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Well, might be 300 years from now, but I'm here to tell you, it's still what God's Word says. Anyway, now, when Jeroboam heard this guy, and he didn't challenge him, he didn't say, oh, I curse you, Jeroboam, you're an evil man. He prophesied to the altar. And you want to get involved in spiritual warfare against idolatry and false religions and all that, Speak directly, not to people, but to, through the word, what they're doing that's wrong. <clears throat> you understand? Prophesied to the altar. Oh, altar, altar. Well, how did Jeroboam respond when he heard that? <clears throat> he was like, well, that's a great prophecy. He got mad. Now, I can't believe, hardly believe that he would get mad. He just set up this golden calf. And somebody walks up, starts prophesying against it. But guess what? He got mad. And he raised his hand. He heard the saying of the man of God and cried against the altar and he put forth his hand from the altar saying, lay hold on him. And when he put out his hand, you know what happened to his hand? It dried up. It was like immediately he had a stroke of some sort. And he couldn't pull it in again to him, it dried up so he couldn't pull it in. And the altar splits and ashes come forth. That was the sign that it was going to happen. And this was the sign that the man of God had given. And the king said unto the man of God, now, what, now what's his response? Pray for me. Jeroboam says, entreat now 
13th chapter of 1 Kings. The face of the Lord thy God. He knew he wasn't worshiping the same God. <clears throat> it's always curious to me how when people all of a sudden need something, they know who has a relationship with God and who doesn't. I mean, I, I, we got a prayer list that's that long. And a lot of those people are good people, know God for themselves. But some of them, it's because they know, I, I don't know anybody else that knows how to pray. Huh? And that's basically what Jeroboam said. Would you ask your Lord and pray for me that my hand be restored? And the man of God said, oh no, you, you got yourself in this. You made this stupid altar. You made your bed. Now, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you lying. That's what I'd have liked to have said. You ever had somebody ask you to pray for them and you feel like saying, and the Holy Ghost makes you chew your tongue a little bit? Huh? Maybe I'm the only one's ever had to do that. Yeah. Sure. Be glad to pray for you. <laughs> Amazing story. Man of God besought. I. He was intense. Oh Lord, help this king. Restore Jeroboam's hand, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Be good to him, Lord. Be merciful to him, Lord. And guess what happened? His hand was restored. And what did the king say? Hey, come home with me. Have something to eat. I will give thee a reward. I'll give you some money. You've, you've, you had to walk up here. Let me, let me invite you to my house. I want to pay you. <clears throat> and how did this young guy respond? I don't care if you would give me half of your kingdom. I will not go with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water in this place. <clears throat> you say, but he has seen the light. He's asked me to pray for him. Be careful. If he hadn't changed his religion, <clears throat> you understand? Just because he wants to fellowship doesn't mean that he really is, uh, <clears throat> he's changed what he believes. And, and then he explains to Jeroboam why. He says, for so was it charged me by the word of the Lord. In other words, the Lord spoke to me and said, don't eat bread, <clears throat> don't drink water, <clears throat> don't turn again 
in the same way that thou camest. Get out of here. <clears throat> and so he went another way and returned not by the way that came to Bethel. So here was this young man, this young prophet, spoke against the altar, not against Jeroboam. Jeroboam gets mad. God judges Jeroboam, miraculously splits the altar open. Jeroboam is convinced that surely you know God. <clears throat> but unfortunately, the young man does not go straight home. You keep reading in the 13th chapter. Now there was an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, and the words which he had spoken unto the king. Then they told also to their father, and their father said unto them, What way did he go? What way went he? <clears throat> For his sons had seen the way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Get my donkey. Let's go. We're going to ride. And he went after the man of God. And where was the man of God? Sitting under an oak tree. <clears throat> the Lord had explicitly told him, Don't eat. Don't drink. Go back the way, don't go back the way you came and go in there and prophesy and go home. The young man didn't. He was sitting under an oak tree. This older prophet came and said to him, he said, are you the man of God that came from <coughs> Judah? He said, I am. This old prophet said, well, come home with me. Eat bread. <clears throat> Already the young man's willpower is waning. He doesn't say, I will not. What does he say? I may not. You remember the story of Lot and you look and I'm just going to go and I'm not going to participate, but I'm just going to go and look at it. Anybody know? It's the first step, you know. You've heard me preach about my Cheeto bag. If I go to Walmart and I see them and I get them, but I'm not going to eat them, the kids like them. How many nights before I'm up late at night and I can say, I'm just going to open it and eat one. I'm just going to smell them. And before long, I have cheese up to my elbow. Huh? I know what I'm talking about? This guy says, I may not return with thee nor go in their place. Neither will I eat bread or drink water. 
For it was said unto me by the word of the Lord that thou shalt eat no bread nor drink no water nor turn again the way thou camest. And I understand he was weary, he was worn out. He had walked a long way from Judah. He didn't drive, he didn't ride a donkey. He walked the whole way. He had an emotional interaction with Jeroboam. I get it. He was exhausted. And if you've ever, you know, ever had to deal, oh, you're just, I'm just going to sit down and rest. And finally, you know, Jeroboam shaking his fist at him, didn't change his mind. And he tried to resist, but I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the next statement when the old prophet lies and said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. But now he was a prophet in Bethel. He was not a prophet from Judah. He was a false prophet. He was living in Bethel. Immediately the young man should have known, wait a minute, you're from here. I just had a word from God for here. But this guy said, I'm a prophet like you. And the angel spoke to me and he said, to go back and bring this young man to your house. Uh, he can eat bread and drink water, and the Bible is clear, he lied to him. A false prophet will lie, tell a half truth. What does the Bible say about that? All liars, who's their dad? So if somebody tells you something and it's a lie, Kind of go, okay, I know what, who your daddy is. Huh? So he went back with him, ate bread, drank water, and all of a sudden while they're sitting around the table, bam, the power of the Lord hits the old prophet and he stands up and he says, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as you have disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and has not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, and you came back and you ate bread and drunk water in this place that the Lord said, uh, did say unto thee, Eat no bread, drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. In other words, you're going to die and never make it home. The young prophet didn't get that word. The Lord used a false prophet to speak a word to him. Has God ever used false prophets? Absolutely. Just because somebody says something true, but if they are not, <laughs> that doesn't make them not a false prophet. Sometimes people get mistaken because somebody 
who may not have a good character, may not be a true believer, might say a word to somebody and they go, but it came to pass. So it doesn't mean that they're all... You know, it's kind of like the old story about the guru that could tell you what kind of child you were going to have years ago. Make the trip up to the mountain. Give him an offering. He would pray. He would come back. You're either going to have a boy or a girl. He was right. 100% of the time. Doesn't make him a true prophet. You know? <clears throat> so this young man, he ate, he gets up, and <clears throat> they let him use their donkey. <clears throat> he wasn't willful. He wasn't in his disobedience. He wasn't outright disobedient. He, he listened to the words of this older man. He was hoodwinked. <clears throat> this false prophet had lied, but had convinced him to go eat and drink. And, and I, I, I put here a slide that I, I think is important because we know in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, and Mark, and in Luke, the devil quoted scripture. The devil knows the Bible. Now he took it out of context. That's why you got to know the word enough to go, oh, wait a minute. What did the rest of that chapter say? What did the rest of those verses say? When he said, oh, he'll give his angels charge over thee lest you dash your foot upon a stone. Jump off this building. That was a whole prophecy about getting victory over Satan. He takes those things out of context. Second Corinthians, Paul said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness whose end shall be there according to their works. What he's saying is, you've got to know more than just, well, they said a, a good thing, they told a good story, they had a good... But though we... Paul said, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And so, you know, that's why we should be aware that any preacher myself included, that gets up here and says, you don't need your Bible. Follow me to Guiana or you don't need the word. You don't need, you're a false prophet. Immediately. I know who you are. I know what voice that is. Well, you don't need this. All you need to do is just come and fellowship and have, 
Wait a minute. That's not what the Word says. Well, you, you don't need to repent. The, you know, that's out of date now. You don't need to get baptized. Whoa, 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 wait, where? Where is that written? You don't need to have the Holy Ghost like that. Why did the early church get it? Where are all those examples? I, it doesn't matter. What I say, it matters what the Word says. That's why Paul said, I don't care who preaches another gospel. If it's not this. Anyway, <clears throat> jump back to Kings. We're finishing out our, our story. How many remember reading this story in the Bible? A few of you? Yeah. What happens next? Young man heads home on his donkey, borrowed donkey, and all of a sudden a lion meets him. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and killed him. And his carcass was cast in the way. The donkey stood by him, the lion stood by the carcass. Men passed by, saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet had brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion which tore him and killed him, and <clears throat> according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke unto him. This was miraculous in its whole, as you read it, because, you know, according to all the documentaries I've seen, lions don't kill unless they're going to eat. They're not just, you know, things to go around killing. That's why, you know, they're not just murdering lions. If they kill, they're going to feed. And so here's the lion, and he's killed the guy, and he didn't kill the donkey, and he's standing right there, and the donkey's standing right there. That's miraculous. I mean, I would think the donkey would have enough instinct to, a lion? Oh really? I'm out of here. <clears throat> you would think that the lion would have had enough that I'm going to eat the guy. I've tasted his blood, I've killed him, torn him apart. <clears throat> but he didn't. This word of the Lord that the false prophet had spoken came to pass and this is a miracle scene you keep reading and he said to his sons you know get me another donkey and he goes and finds the carcass and he finds the donkey and the lion still standing there and the lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the donkey and the prophet, which I would have been afraid to even do this, but he takes 
the carcass, puts it on the back of the donkey, comes back into the city, brings the carcass of the man of God and puts it in his own grave and mourns him. And then he says these words, when I am dead, bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the, of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. That's an amazing turnaround. The false prophet wants to be buried next to the young man or the other prophet. Even though the young prophet has been judged, he goes, I want to be buried next to that. I have gone down, I've gotten that young prophet, and I have brought him back. And it reminded me of the story of Balaam. Remember when Balaam tried to curse Israel? And Balaam says, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like his. What are you saying? I, I'm saying, <clears throat> even though folks may see you fall, may see you stumble, may see God work us over, People look and go, I'd still rather be you. I'd rather be buried next to you than I would. Now, what's kind of amazing is the next couple of verses, <clears throat> the thing that Jeroboam returned after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. He made again of the lowest of the people priests in high places. Whoever would, he consecrated him, became one of the priests of the high places, and this thing became a sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it off the face of the earth. And, and <clears throat> what's amazing to me is this young prophet sins, disobeys God, and what happens? He dies immediately. The old prophet, who is a liar, is able to walk beside a lion and put a body on it and the lion not bother him. And he says, one of these days when I die, bury me next to this guy. The old prophet is not judged. Jeroboam, who refuses to change his ways, gets healed with his hand, keeps living, keeps having people worship after all of this at the altar, Jeroboam doesn't even change. The one that appears to be judged is the young man who disobeyed God. It's almost sobering because to whom much is given, this is why it doesn't matter if anybody else prays, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. What are you saying? I'm saying that, you know, I know it's easy to look around and go, well, you know, everybody else is doing, nobody else worries, nobody else. Listen, we're not, we're not involved in false religion. We know what to do. 
We know how to pray. We know how to invite. We know what we need to do. You know, you say, well, I don't, you know, nobody else has done. It doesn't matter what anybody, what we've got to do, what the word of the Lord says. The word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It doesn't matter if every other church goes to one Sunday a year and they go, we're still great members. We're going to do our best so much the more. Why? Not because I said it, but because... You say, well, it don't, I, I don't, I got it. I understand. I'm not. There's no dialogue about anybody else or any other church or any other people. What it is, is he that knoweth to do good. Well, I knew I shouldn't have said that to him. I knew I should have. One out of ten, I knew I should have prayed. Oh, pastor, I knew better. Huh? You've judged myself. Huh? When I knew what to do. Say, but I, you don't understand. I didn't, I didn't feel like it, and it's not right. That guy is a liar. That guy's an idolater. Get them. And the Lord said, I spoke to you. I told you what not to do. Whew. All of a sudden, it makes me go, <clears throat> oh Lord, if I believe I'm in true religion, pure religion, I need to, whew, I need to make sure I'm, I'm living it, not just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, huh? Well, they can live like the devil and they can be there on Sunday and they can do whatever they want on Monday and Tuesday. That's not you. Make sure you're following the word of the Lord. Oh, well, they don't. Stop. The lying prophet got to keep living. The idolatrous king got to keep living. God healed and keep living. Oh, hallelujah. What are you saying? I'm, I'm saying that, uh, you know, until the coming of the Lord, we, we, we believe, we know, we have a truth. We believe, we know how to be baptized. We know how to receive the Holy Ghost. We have so much. And uh, it's our responsibility to walk by a different authority. And that authority is not what popular opinion is. That authority is right here. Say, well, as long as the preacher doesn't know, it doesn't matter. He matters. He sees it all. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Good to have all of you here. I don't know that I've ever preached about the young prophet that got killed by a lion. I wanted to say eaten by a lion, but he didn't get eaten. He just got killed. What an amazing story of the opening of idolatry. And, and I would say to you that, that Paul in Romans and in Corinthians talks about idolatry, talks about, you know, giving to idols and all these things, and yet 
A lot of times we think, well, unless it's a set-up idol, we don't recognize how it can apply to us. But I think there was a lot of this in the Word that did apply. Amen?